0: Have we started?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> no pressure. We just kind of jibber-jabber and then Holden says something amazing and then that's when the music cues and then we can start.
0: Is that Fat Albert? Where? On that shelf?
1: That's the Notorious Big.
0: Oh, Notorious B.I.G. The
1: Notorious Big. Like my grandpa. Well. Yikes. We're probably the same age. but I'm Okay. Well, let's start. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Unseen Supreme, the non-essential movie podcast. This is episode six. This is my episode, and I have chosen The Karate Kid. The Karaki Kid? The Karate Kid. Oh. Last week, uh, in episode five, Maddie took us through the hours, and it was fantastic. I won the quiz, and I got to choose, so I chose one of the greatest movies known to mankind, The Karate Kid. You're welcome.
0: Concentrate, focus, power. Remember balance. No mercy.
1: Columbia Pictures presents yeah. The Karate Kid.
2: Hey, what kind of belt do you have?
1: Canvas. You like? J.C. <laughs> penny G-98. <laughs> so, guys, yes. guess what? What? Chicken butt. We're talking about Karate Kid, but it's also a very special episode. <gasps> do you know why?
2: Why is that, John?
1: We have a very special guest today. <gasps> Who is it? (laughs) We are joined by Christy Vela.
0: Hi, everybody. Hey. She is. uh, Christy, (laughs) do
1: you want to introduce yourself? or...
0: Well, you just introduced me. I'm Christy Vela. I was sitting back here, like, really still, and y'all didn't know I was here until I moved my arms and did this. Yeah, I was about to say, John, what's that loan? There's something behind your shoulder. (laughs) So, <laughs> who's that tiny person?
1: <laughs> full disclosure: We are recording. Everyone is recording remotely via Zoom, except me. Except for Christy, she's here with me in the studio
3: in it. Studio East. Uh, do you in guys have a Do you guys have a tape measure? Can you? Uh, I need to see how far apart you are right now. Uh, we look six. I think we're, we're six. Yeah, he well, put me
0: in the corner. Okay, cool. No, nobody. Nobody, no, puts, Christy nobody puts Christy in the corner. Nobody puts Christy in the corner. Maddie,
1: how do we know Christy?
0: Yes, we know Christy from Final Dress.
2: She was our director extraordinaire Yay. and was so kind as to let all of us be a part of it.
1: Yes. I think she's single-handedly responsible for all of us coming together. She
3: brought us all together.
1: Okay. She's responsible for this podcast, I think, as well.
0: I'm going to take credit for it. That's bad. I'm gonna. It's going on my resume from now on. Special skills. <laughs> special skills brings people together. Oh, the opportunities
3: will come rolling in. Yes. We'll send you a royalty check later in a few years when we <laughs> oh, when this thing I'm gets rolling. I'm gonna hold you to it. All right.
0: I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm right now. Christy down.
1: is a director of both stage and screen now with their first movie, Final Dress. Yeah,
0: man. And, and uh, uh,
1: actor as well. A fantastic actor. Um, pretty yes. much Just does it all.
0: And I also have a podcast. Oh Yes, okay. she does, John, with...
1: Yes, Tara and Tacos.
0: With Michael Federico.
1: Tell us about Tara and Tacos.
0: Tara and Tacos is, well, it's all there in the title. Mike Federico and I, who is the screenwriter for Final Dress, we eat tacos and talk about horror movies, which is the dream, really. It's all <sighs> we want to do with our lives. It's all we want to do with our lives is just eat tacos and talk about movies. Amazing. I can't
1: think of a better time.
0: It's, I mean, right?
1: So if you love terror, terror movies, horror
0: movies,
1: (laughs) if you like to be terrified, that's a specific genre Horror movies and you love tacos. Well, you
0: know, that is part terror is, I mean, that word is part of my personal mission statement. I'm popping my (laughs) mic a lot. Sorry. But you know how theaters have mission statements. I have a personal mission statement and my personal mission statement is to strike terror into the hearts of men. (laughs) I can confirm Yes. Christy Vela. Terrifying. Yeah. My job here is done. I'm sure you should.
1: You just need a big banner behind you that says mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like uh good old G-dub.
0: G-dub. Anywho. He, he lives in Dallas now. He's oh, is he? our neighbor.
1: He, he's also a consummate painter.
0: I know. i can going to get him to paint my dog. <laughs> he's really good at dogs. Not really. <laughs> Are you talking about I saw Butch? that one
3: of his ger- German Shepherd paintings. Yes. G.W. Bush. You're yes. so
0: terrible. Nothing
3: but, <laughs> Nothing but respect.
1: Speaking of politics, <laughs> um, it's a crazy time, but also a hopeful time. Something just happened. Um, Biden's president, going to be president now. I'm very excited about that. And I just, um I have, I found something that just sums up how I feel about the whole thing. You're going to cry? Here we go. Ready?
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: I love that movie what what is that
1: What's the it's sentiment the behind the laugh? It's it, I think it's a mixture of both, of insanity and glee.
0: Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, in the movie, it is. I'm, I'm sure it yeah. is for you, too, in real life.
1: <laughs> it sums up how I feel, pretty much. But that's all I want to say about that. Maddie and Holden, that was from a movie called The Money Pit. We may or may not be talking about that on a future episode.
0: Oh, it's, it's? I think it's my favorite scene, too, yeah. where he falls through the whole...
1: The the tub falls through the, the floor after they're trying to take a boat. Oh
0: no, yeah. That's a that's a great scene. I'm talking about when him he yeah. steps into the hole and sinks. Also great. Great scene.
1: It's just start to finish greatness. Well, I'm yeah. convinced by the 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 laugh, so put it put it on the list. Oh, it's on the list. I don't know when we'll get to it, but it's on the list. We all have our lists. All right, enough shenanigans.
3: Shenanigans.
1: We're here to talk business. We're here to talk about karate kid.
3: Very serious stuff.
1: But before we do more shenanigans okay (laughs) we just want to take this opportunity to talk about the year that karate kid came out it was 1984 george orwell's novel 1984 predicted we would be living in a surveillance state but here is what actually happened in 1984 did you like that i wrote that myself
0: that was good (laughs) i think you should mention that george orwell wrote 1984 in 1949
1: also correct
0: Thank you, Christy. Christie's our fact checker,
1: <laughs> and it's it's fat actually checker. in the notes. I just
3: very lazily skipped over that. Oh, for anybody I'm out sorry. there who thought it was written in 1983, yeah, uh, giving a lot of credit to George Orwell for his foresight. In in
1: 1984, in a nod to Orwell's surveillance state, DNA fingerprinting was introduced. Uh, the Apple Macintosh computer was introduced with an ad that paid homage to uh, Orwell's 1984 novel. It was also directed by Ridley Scott. That's pretty cool. Yep. It is cool.
3: Reminds me of Pink Floyd. Here's
1: here's what else happened in 1984. Vanessa Williams, the first Black Miss America, lost her crown because of some artsy nude photos taken years before that were published in Penthouse Magazine. She later received an apology from the pageant and and then went on to become a huge star. Uh, Calling it a nutritious and wholesome food, President Ronald Reagan designated July as National Ice Cream Month. And the third Sunday of the month was National Ice Cream Day.
0: It's the best thing he ever did. I was it's going a, to say almost the exact same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is the best thing he ever did. Who
3: did he consult? New, Blue the Nutritious and wholesome ice cream? Were yeah. people eating pints yeah, of that?
0: The ice cream. It's the Ice Cream Nutrition Board of America. <laughs> That's who he consulted.
3: You know who wrote that? Big ice
0: cream. <laughs> <laughs> Big ice cream. <laughs>
1: Fashions included leggings, jean jackets, parachute pants, giant shoulder pads, Mm -hmm. short skirts, and fluffy hair.
0: I wore all of those things. At the same time? Yes, at the same time.
3: Why are they called parachute pants?
0: It's the same fabric that they Uh, make parachutes out of. Oh,
3: absolutely. I didn't know that. I
0: thought it was because of their shape. No. Mm.
3: They
1: were very baggy and um, MC Hammer popularized. Those are
0: hammer pants. Those are not parachute pants. Those are harem pants. Oh, there's a difference. Those are, yeah.
3: We could have a whole podcast on that.
0: We can have a whole podcast (laughs) on the fashions of the 1980s, of which I am an expert.
1: Bruce Springsteen's album, Born in the USA, was released along with the single, the same name, and President Reagan cited it as a song of hope. Although Springsteen described it as being about a man facing spiritual crisis. This same year, 1984, Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest popularized the mockumentary with this is spinal tap. Have Genius. either of y'all seen that? Goes seen to 11.
0: Yes, 11. it's fantastic.
1: Speaking of movies, the top 10 grossing films were Beverly Hills, cop, bump,
0: bump, ghostbusters, bump, 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 Indiana bump, bump,
1: Jones and the temple of doom gremlins, the karate kid, which we we're talking about today, mm-hmm. police Academy. I'm surprised that's on the list, but kind of also not dumb. Uh, <laughs> Footloose, Romancing the Stone, and Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock. Oh, uh, Christy, so you and I were the only ones alive in 1984.
0: I was but, older than you. A little bit. Yeah, I was 15.
1: Um, I was seven. Mm-hmm. All of my memories are probably steeped around like G.I. Joe and Transformers, um, but you were making solid high school memories.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember those things too, because I have nephews who are your age, and... Um, you know, grew up with my nephews like little brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, yeah, my memories of 84 are more high school memories. I was a freshman in high school and it was the first time I shaved my head. I was a cheerleader. Oh, My freshman year, I was in drill team and I was a cheerleader. And then at some point I just went, I'm going to shave my head and dye it purple. And the rest, whatever's left purple. And so I did. And I showed up to cheerleader class the next day and was swiftly kicked out. Oh. Ah. Um, really? Yeah, they were like you can't You
3: got to have hair. You,
0: well, I mean, you got to you, you got to look uniform. You can't have purple hair. Well, you couldn't. Was that it was, not a school color? No. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> Our uniforms are red and white. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah, purple doesn't go with red. So,
0: and white. but it cut, you know, I remember so I had to drop that class. Oh. And I remember hanging out in the gym during that week without a class um, and kind of just like hanging out, watching the cheerleaders practice and, you know, do their thing. And they used to practice in the gym, of course. And above the gym was a tiny little classroom in the gym, but like forgotten, like it was the attic of the gym.
1: It's like the never ending story attic.
0: Yeah. And that's where the drama team used to meet. (gasps) That's where the, the drama class used to meet, like forgotten up in the attic. And I remember like sitting there with my purple hair being all bitter and looking up and Mr. Matern, who was the theater teacher, was standing outside his classroom and he was kind of scanning the gym and he spotted me and kind of gave me a, Mm -hmm. a, one of those chin up things and I just gave him a chin up thing. And he started walking, came down the stairs and I saw him walking and I was like, oh man, he's gonna come talk to me. (laughs) And he was walking down the stairs, came through the double doors, walked up to me and he was like, Hey Bella, and I was like, "Hey," he goes, "You want to be in a play?"
1: Nice, yeah.
0: and I was like, "Sure." And that the rest, is, the rest history. is history. As they say, I went, I went on to win All Star Cast that year in UIL. What? <laughs> All because
2: of your purple hair?
0: It was the purple hair. No, I mean, yeah.
1: No, he saw greatness.
0: No, well, in the purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but isn't that like what all like high school theater kids are, or the kids that are like, "I'm going to defy what everybody else is doing and dye my hair purple."
3: That's like a that's scene fantastic. from a movie.
0: M- that's my life. <sighs> <sighs>
1: did you did you go outside and walk across the football field and just throw your fist up in the air like, uh, like um, the end of Breakfast Club,
0: like the end of Breakfast <laughs> Club, like Bender, yeah, in Breakfast Club. No, but I have an idea for a short film about that. So um, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. So, 1984, Karate Kid. um, I was in the second grade. This is a little bit. This is the personal content text section of our podcast. I think this is around the time when I was really starting to, you know, remember things that were happening around me. And it was one of the first movies that I can remember where I started to kind of physically emulate the characters that I would see you know as far as i was concerned i was the karate kid even though i was 9 years 8 years younger this movie was the most rented vhs in 1985 this movie was so popular that it was really instrumental in the karate craze of the 80s and the development of what would be later called mcdojos
3: mm-hmm. i had a bu- i had a bunch of friends doing karate in the early 90s like i just i knew there was just a handful of kids who were In karate and in Boy Scouts. And I don't know. That seems like that carried over for a long time, like over a decade, over two decades.
0: Yeah, it did because the Karate Kid had several sequels.
3: Yeah, all the
1: way through 94.
3: I watched all those trailers. Those are whack.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, well, the 80s saw a resurgence in movies that were aimed at teenagers. Hmm. Um, the seventies, which are my favorite era mm. of movies, is considered the second golden age of movies. Right? Were very like adult themes, yeah. you know. And the the eighties, because kids now could go to the mall, right? right? And their parents would drop them off at the mall. Um, saw a resurgence in that. There were more movies that were made for a younger demographic.
1: Yeah, and a lot of those are probably on my list Mm -hmm. Like Goonies, stuff like that Like just the the adventure movies where just kids No parents whatsoever Right (laughs) Just going out and getting involved in shenanigans Right Rabble rousers
0: That's how I grew up
1: Yeah, you just went outside and played until the sun went down Then you came home and you you had dinner
0: go to the creek and when the light starts The street lights start coming up That's when you come home
1: So here is the official IMDB synopsis of Karate Kid a martial arts master agrees to teach karate to a bullied teenager. Uh, karate Kid is starring Ralph Macchio as Daniel, Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi, Elizabeth Shue as Allie with an Eye, William or Billy Zabka as Johnny, Randy Heller as Miss Lucille LaRusso, and Martin Cove as John Kreese. Uh, this movie was directed by John G. Alvidson and... Uh, the cinematographer was James Crabb and the music was by Bill Conti. I bring this up because mm-hmm. all three of these guys did Rocky, the original Rocky movie, which we have brilliant, which we will definitely be watching
3: at some point in this podcast. Did Rocky
2: come first? When was Rocky? Yes. Yes.
3: Hence why I call this movie Karaki Kid. I'm going <laughs> to pin that.
0: That's it. That's the tag. <laughs>
3: Um, and I don't want to give away
1: too much about Rocky before we do that in a later episode, but there's a lot of parallels between that, that they took from that movie, which was a very successful movie, and then kind of instilled into this movie as well. This movie had a budget of $8 million, and it made $91 million at the box office. Nice. So based on those returns, they then proceeded to run this series into the ground as quickly as possible. Uh, there were two years between each Karate Kid movie. The second one is still good. I would, I still recommend it as a movie. I think it's really is pretty, it the same. I think
3: it's the same director, right? Same director.
1: Ralph Macchio was 23 when he played 16 year old Daniel in this movie. Okay.
3: I tried keeping that in mind. And no, 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 no. He no. does not look 23. He's so I'm,
0: little. He's scrawny. He's got little. Yeah. He's got tiny got baby face. Little tiny
3: baby arms. Yeah.
0: He still does. <laughs> I mean, if you watch, which I love Cobra Kai. I was going to ask if you watched it. (laughs) Yeah. I watched watched it. I binged it, and I cannot wait for the next season. But he still looks, you know, you see him in Cobra Kai, and he's supposed to be like my age or something. Like he's supposed to be in his late, early 50s, like late 40s, early 50s. You know, like the woman that he's married to, the actress who plays his wife. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, like, there's no way he he could. He take has that a woman. very young look. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. No
1: well, his his castmates and the producers didn't believe he was 23 or yeah, 23 either. No, I
0: wouldn't know. Nope.
1: He definitely passed for. He starts the movie at 15 and becomes 16 halfway through the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. passed He was in
0: far. his 20s when he did out The Outsiders too.
1: So, Maddie, what do you think of Karate Kid?
0: I actually really, really enjoyed it.
2: I loved it. I think it's been, wow, it's been a long time since we watched it originally, but I think Holden can tell you that at the at first I was skeptical, right? I was like, this is cheesy, this is cheesy, but I was quickly taken in by the amazing soundtrack, and um, by the time it got to the big tournament at the end, I was like,
0: emotionally invested best use of banana cruel summer yes, absolutely in my opinion yeah. it's
1: the song of every summer since oh, then yeah.
3: i've yeah. never seen her so engaged with a movie well this
1: is making me feel really good about my selection did good. holden what'd you think
3: no oh, i i really really liked it it's not on my favorite list um but I, th- I think it was fantastic. I could see why it's iconic. Pat Morita. Like, I, I love his, his casting. Uh, I, I, I love the entire reason why he was in that movie. Daniel, Ralph Macchio. I don't know. He, uh, he exhibited the character fine, uh, but I, I loved this movie.
2: I just want to say that I have a lot of female friends who are older than I am and lived through the 80s, and they were all in love with Ralph Macchio
0: when this came out, right? I was not. You weren't. Well, I Yes. There, there were a lot of, he was a heartthrob.
1: He became a star overnight. I, see it, but, I can totally
0: but, see it, but not, he was not my type. I, t- I see it. I can see it. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's totally cute. He's really cute, but he was not one of my heartthrobs at that yeah. time.
1: I don't think there could be anyone else cast. I mean, may- maybe there could, but he just seems to be the perfect fit. He's- I'm
0: sure they cast him because he is of small stature. Mm-hmm. Right. And because he's older, so he has he had the maturity to... Sometimes you can't cast a teenager as a teenager mm-hmm. because they're so in the thick of being a teenager that they don't know... Nobody in a horror movie is a real teenager. You right. know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> you, know, you, I, you have to have a little bit of life... In order to be able to go back and go, oh, that's where I was at that time. I know how to do this. I know what to do. Because sometimes, I mean, you need like genius kids, like the stranger things yeah. kids yeah. to play teenagers.
1: When when you watch this movie, when you kind of watch it through the glasses of modern movies, like it feels a little quaint. It, the, the action and the karate doesn't feel like a true martial arts movie. I think that the strength of this movie is its attention to the characters. And I kind of want to see how y'all feel like, does the movie do a good job uh, making you care about the characters? Does it develop them in a way that draws you in as a viewer? viewer?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, They, they rely on a lot of stereotypes, you know, like at the, at the core, right? There's the Italian poor New Jersey kid. There's the, you know, rich blonde uh, LA girl. There's Mr. Miyagi and his stereotypes. Right. But they go, Way deeper, you know, and you really get a lot of nuance to each of those characters, I
3: think. I don't know. I feel like character develop for de- development for Miyagi and for Daniel certainly uh, was earned. Um, but I feel like um, Allie's character was maybe just a bit of a device for Daniel, as well as his mother and our, our villain. I guess I don't need to know much other than that he wears red, drives a motorcycle, and has blonde hair uh, to know that he's a, a bad guy and that I should not want to like this guy. Character development for the two mains that you're supposed to care about, yes. All the way. Very well done.
0: But I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, the movie is not called Johnny Lawrence. It's also not an um, ensemble you know?
3: movie where you need to care about everybody. <laughs>
0: right. I mean, the, this, this movie is about a young man who is flawed. Mm -hmm. He is flawed. Even though he's the hero, he's a little shit sometimes. Sorry. Right. No, totally. And he learns through this older, wiser, very humble man. Right. Who is clearly always the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Right. How to not want, not how to not fall into all the traps Mm -hmm. of being a, a, a teenager, you know? So that's what the story is. And that's why if you want more of character development or to see the other side, then you do need to go watch Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai gives you exactly that Cobra Kai lets you see what's going on with Johnny, um, through a very wonderful, funny lens.
1: Yeah. It's great. It's so good. Um, I, I don't. I want to. I wonder if it, because I've seen it so many times, and you know, I have this, you know, great nostalgic memory for this movie. Even beyond that, though, I do like this movie even now. Like I really enjoy rewatching it. I think this would be mm-hmm. like the second time I've seen it this year. It just, it just always. I don't mind putting it on in the background. But I actually think that Maddie is right. That it kind of starts at that stereotype level or that sure. superficial level but yeah. then I do think that all of that stuff is there even if it's just subtext I think we do mm-hmm. see really fun and neat arcs for even even the secondary characters even Johnny like they're small but there's a lot of stuff there under the surface that yeah, I think I mean,
0: even Johnny grows at the end even Johnny at the end where yeah. where Crease is telling him you know and humiliating him all of those boys step up to Crease right. in the parking lot and they're like hey man you well, know
1: that's the second movie. That's Karate Kid 2.
0: Well, but but the stories are linked.
1: Yes, but they haven't seen that part. Oh,
0: okay. Um, I want to watch but it. But I
1: do want to bring that up. <sighs> I want to see it. I think you should. I
0: did read about
2: that, yeah.
1: I want to go through the characters uh, one by one. It's something we haven't really done before, but um, uh, let's start with Daniel. Um, what do you think are some of his uh, best character traits? or what, what are some of the character traits about him that you like? And I think we kind of touched on it just a little bit, but I'd like to kind of go a little bit deeper into that.
2: I think he totally has like a little bit of a a little bit of a swagger, like a scrawny boy swagger, you know, where it's like this is a kid who doesn't have his um physical prowess to rely on, but he is, you know, like a clever and charismatic kid. Um that's something that I noticed yeah. immediately.
3: And he definitely has some talent.
2: Mm-hmm. Soccer. He's a great soccer player. Yeah.
3: I think what really aligned me with Daniel's character is that kind of like I I wasn't I wasn't bullied as a kid, but I definitely wasn't like the popular or the unpopular kid. And I definitely had people who uh, made, made jokes about me that I found uncruel, like uh, that I found cruel. Um, But the reason I like Daniel is because I think his reaction is very realistic and reactionary to how I would feel put in a, a place against my adversaries. So like everyone isn't perfect. Um, but I think this movie is a perfect example of how bully, bullied individuals react to their bullies. Um, I think he feels displaced having come from Newark, New Jersey. I think he exhibits very much like a New Jersey attitude, um, which is why he's why he instigates these conflicts with Johnny. I think that's like part of his past and part of the way that he dealt with conflict and rivalry before coming out. I really kind of empathize with the way that he reacts. It's not always the best decision, Sure. but I think that trait is what I like the most is that that seems realistic to me.
1: Yeah. And I think that that speaks to kind of what the strength of this movie is in the writing of this movie is that it really, it feels, feels very lived in. It feels very naturalistic. It feels like something like these people actually exist. And I, I kind of feel like I know these people. And I think that that speaks to like strong writing and strong directing and also a great performance by people that are perfectly cast.
0: He's yeah. I mean, this kid is a kid who doesn't have a father figure. Right. Right. And he is absolutely He's flawed. Like I said, he's a little shit sometimes, and he wants immediate gratification right Mm -hmm. now, just like teenagers do. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't really have anyone, because his mom is busy working, and they have a great relationship, but he is a latchkey kid, like so many of us were in the 80s, right?
1: Have to fend for yourself. Have
0: to fend for yourself. And he meets this, this man who appears to be something... And turns out to be something completely different and teaches him a lesson about being patient and about working for things and about not judging people Mm -hmm. by how they appear or who you think they are, Yeah, Um, which is something that we get further in Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. I know I keep talking about that, but
1: he's clearly in over his head with Johnny and the Cobra Kai Brigade. Even though he's outmatched, he is sticking up for himself. And I think it's because of that that chip on his shoulder, his his ability to fend for himself. I think that we really kind of see that manifest itself in how he deals with the bullies. Because nowhere in the movie does anyone say the word bully. But it's clear that he's getting the shit kicked out of him um, on the reg, as the kids would say.
0: <laughs> is that what they say? I think so. <laughs> we used to say bullies.
1: No, I mean, the, the movie doesn't call them bullies.
0: I mean, you don't have to, it's... I mean, why would why but, would you? It's so obvious. What? Well,
1: I think because in my mind, the first instigating incident is, to me, it's not a bullying instance. He tries to act chival-less, chival-less chivalrous.
0: <laughs> chivalrous. Chivalrous.
1: <laughs> he tries to act that word.
0: No more wine for you. <laughs>
1: exactly, and you know he. Steps, he, you know, he kind of kicks the hornet's nest a little bit. Like yeah. he's, he's trying to stand up for this girl that he likes.
0: I said, give me my radio.
2: You promise you'll talk to me. Yes, just give you me promise. my radio. Yes. Just break my radio. Yeah. 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 Don't touch
0: yeah. it, punk. No, 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 no. Just like, yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I don't, I don't like that word, bully. I think, I mean, i out in the context of this movie. I don't think of the word bully. I think of the word rival. I agree. Yeah.
1: Because I, I I don't, and this to my point is that he's not like a straight, he's just not like the straight victim. He's just not like a victim. victim. Not at all. He is giving as, as good, as, 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 he good gets. as he gets. His just sometimes his as good as he can give is not that mm. great. It's not that great. Compared to six guys who know like really. <laughs> Taekwondo. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing I like most about this character is that he is pushing back and, 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 and w- in a way that he can, and i'm not condoning violence against children we've discussed this in previous episodes <laughs> you should never punch children but don't drop kick a kid into the ditch <laughs> when i was a younger kid like i probably wasn't bullied as a, as a 7 year old it probably came later but like you react differently to those situations you either you completely absorb it or you do push back in every, any way that, or in, in in the way that you can and i would probably have, have have absorbed it i don't want to turn this into a psychology session but um so I always liked that he, you know, he tried and then he followed through with it by learning karate. And, he
0: had to. Right. <laughs> or they were going to beat him up.
1: So moving off of uh, Daniel's son, uh, Mr. Miyagi. So, um, Holden, you said that you kind of liked how Pat Morita kind of came to be Mr. Miyagi. Well, uh, the producer, Jerry Weintraub, didn't actually want Pat Morita to play Mr. Miyagi because of his comedic background. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. He was afraid that he wouldn't be taken seriously, so they auditioned a lot of serious actors. Obviously, they settled on Pat Morita, and I think rightly, rightfully so. But um, I actually think that his comedic background is it helps his performance, as opposed to the, the
3: producers' fear. I, I agree.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what gives him dimension. That's what lifts him out of this just like stereotypical serious karate japanese man and makes him human and you know he's fun he's ornery he's um a jokester and i think the character would not be anywhere near as beloved as it is if he wasn't that
1: if he was just mm-hmm. so strict and serious yeah. and rigid because we already have a rigid character and it's crease we don't need another one
0: well that's the whole point right is that you can be gentle and and also be in charge mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah you hate the fighting
1: <sighs> yeah but you like karate So? So karate's fighting. you train to fight. That hurt, do you think? No. Then why train?
2: So I won't have to fight.
0: (laughs) Miyagi have a hope for you.
3: I, I definitely think, like, his comedic background helps... Like, in that scene that I guess got him nominated for the Oscar, like, I think that's the only time where he breaks this monotonous tone and becomes this, like, fun and emotive character who has more in his background than we have been led to know in the movie so far. And I feel like that's the only time where we get to see more of Mr. Miyagi is in this just small... Small capsule of a moment when he opens up about his wife.
1: Hey, hey. drink, drink. Uh.
3: <laughs>
2: Sergeant Miyagi. Yes, sir. Sergeant Miyagi report to kill many Germans, sir.
3: Hey,
2: Sergeant Miyagi. Yes, sir. Regret the inform life son complication at but complication but no doctor can't render free homo brain no doctor
1: can Now compare that to crease, right? Mm -hmm. You know crease is really the yang to Mr. Miyagi's yin. You have two senseis that are, are polar opposite senseis in their approach to how they train their kids. We do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak here on the street in
3: competition. A man confronts you. He's the enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy. What is the problem?
1: Mister the Lawrence. Is he a one dimensional character?
0: Well, in in the first movie he is, but that's all we need him to be. We yeah. don't need him to be anything else. We just need him to be that symbol of we didn't have the term, but that symbol of toxic, white, American masculinity. Mm, right. Um, and that's that's the symbol that we need him to we be. We need him
3: to say those lines.
0: Yes. Otherwise, it doesn't, the, the Miyagi character can be reduced to a simple stereotype unless we have, we also have the stereotype of the white, male, mm. toxic guy. Yeah. Mm. What do we say here? The way of this, sir
1: And what is that way? Strike first, strike hard,
3: no mercy, sir. I can't hear you. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir.
2: All of them really except her Mr. Miyagi kind of represent that toxic masculinity. You know, even Daniel totally, you know to some sense, yeah. That's yeah. that's where he wants to go, but
1: I do like the little things that the director adds in there. All these things are kind of peppered in to sort of give us a little bit more into these characters. Like when Mr. Miyagi and Daniel go to visit the Cobra Kai mm-hmm. uh, dojo, there's a picture of Crease on the wall as a green beret. Right. With a massive machine gun. Right. The two of them are both military men.
0: They're both veterans.
1: Right. And one... Went one way with it, and the other, and Miyagi went the other way with it. Yeah,
0: but I think it's also, I mean, the one thing that we're not talking about, and this would be like a whole other episode, is the class struggle that you see in Karate Mm -hmm. Kid. Yeah, and how this this movie is about class, Um, Mm. and Mr. Miyagi is a veteran of World War Two, and Kreese went to Vietnam, which are two totally different. Two totally different wars. Right. And the writer is very brilliantly making a comment on the differences between these two wars. <sighs> now, no war is honorable, in my opinion. right? Like, both all wars suck.
1: We'd be in agreement.
0: Right. But there is a sense of World War Two being, uh, de- it was still a time, definitely, when it was bad guys against good guys, right? Mm-hmm. And in that war, Japan was not one of the right. good guys. But we see Miyagi make a turn, right? Miyagi's American. Mm-hmm. Right. He has come to America. From well, he Okinawa. fought
1: for the Americans. He fought
0: for the Americans. So we have that, right? Mm-hmm. Vietnam is a very complicated situation where people began to see war as kind of like, who are the good guys? Who like who? Who are the people that we are sending? Crease if what we know about Vietnam, right? Is that all of the men that went to Vietnam were an average age of 19 and they were poor. They were the poor American kids, right? So what we can extrapolate from that is that crease also did not have a very good upbringing. He was considered um, fodder. Yeah. Right. So who wouldn't, who wouldn't go to that kind of war and, and hold on to the little bit of power that they were given when he had no power back home. Right. You know what I mean. And it's it, two very, very different. And wars. that
1: became eventually what point. it became is this very rigid approach to how he instructs, to, like to
0: how he instructs how you no oh, repeat how you hold no on how you hold on to power
1: no retreat no surrender destroy the opposition yes because That's,
0: they're going to destroy you and that is not that those are not the the edicts of world war two. Right. So that's a great point. Yeah. And,
1: and I love that that's there and it's just one image and Mm -hmm. they don't mention it ever again. And I think you can extrapolate all sorts of just really interesting character data just from those small moments. Now, speaking to what Holden was speaking to earlier, we can kind of go into that now. Like we do learn later on in the movie that Mr. Miyagi is a medal of honor winner. Who's, while he was fighting for this country in World War II, his wife and unborn child died while he was away in an internment camp. Yep. So I, you it, do have these two polarizing forces, sort of just in these two characters that are just like kind of teaching you more about.
0: It is. I mean, it is already making it is already making a statement in 1984 about white suburban America and Reagan's America specifically. Mm. It's already making a statement about that. And all you have to do is look at the little context clues. That's all you have to do. I mean, here we have a a Medal of Honor winner who is not American born, but is fighting for America, whose family are in internment camps. I mean, we have all kinds of of Mexican immigrants who have been in the military, who very recently have all been deported.
3: Deported, yeah,
0: exactly. And they've they fought in Iraq, right? And they've fought in Afghanistan, and they have, you know, given for their for what they consider to be their country. And so even back then, that movie was already making very, very, very poignant statements about yes. class and race. If you
1: if if, if you, you care, pay attention, if, yeah, if you care and pay attention, and you look past sort of the just the superficial story of a kid learning karate to you know fight right to to fight his bullies right like now, there's so much more there and, and that's the, why the, i think the this, beauty
0: of it the beauty of it is that you at 7 right were going i'm the karate kid right. you a white guy right a white kid you were relating to the italian kid whose sensei was a japanese man with an accent not from the united states all right, right? that's you as a 7 year old me, as a 15-year-old who grew up poor, right, going like, oh, I can also achieve these things, right? I can date a guy who's rich or, you know, whatever a teenager yeah. wants at the time, right? Right. And then people who are watching the film as, as film experts are also extrapolating now all the things that we are talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not... Like Police Academy. Right. (laughs) No, it's much more related to Rocky.
1: I don't know. I think Police Academy is a pretty scathing... um,
0: Comedic, comedic. It's a scathing... um, (laughs) Commentary on... On the police. Yeah,
1: scathing commentary on police force. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wonder if I am seeing these things because I love this movie and care to look. Am I looking into this because I have a love for this film and seeing and kind of seeing more and sort of creating this narrative. So I feel like that this is the organic understanding of this movie. If you like it and you continue to watch it and you kind of look deeper, which is kind of the whole point of this movie, because when Mr. Miyagi is introduced, he's introduced as the, the maintenance man. Mm -hmm.
0: And we come Mm -hmm. to find
1: out and he probably owns the place. He has to, it's clear. Yeah. Looking beyond the superficial is kind of the whole point of this movie.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it has influenced who you are as an adult. Whether you know it or not. Right. That's what great art does. Yeah. It if if you know, you can watch it over and over again or you can watch it once and something that jumps out at you is the thing that's gonna jump out at you and it look at you, you're still talking about it right now. Right. So
1: and clearly you know, would,
0: there's something there.
1: I would call this movie art. I mean it's too easy to dismiss it as just like a a, a summer popcorn movie that's just a fun pop culture reference movie but i feel like it is yeah it's more not
0: it's not like the other teen movies of the time
1: it sort of introduced me to another culture like through mr miyagi and yeah. because of my respect for that character like i wanted to know more and then like in part two when they go to okinawa i was all in like right.
3: i was all in when they went to his house his house was flipping cool yeah like <laughs> I never knew a backyard could be like that. Like all Beautiful. of just like yeah. the, the dock to walk out there. Also, I I noticed something last night that is a very, it's, it's very digging into the minutia of this movie. Um, But Daniel, as he walks out, so Miyagi is sanding the deck, right? Or the deck, whatever, the boardwalk thing. And <laughs> Daniel walks out. And he steps through Mr. Miyagi's like sand art thing and just tromps over it and walks over to Mr. Miyagi and he tells him to sand. And I looked at that, I, there's no, I have, I'm hearing no meaning to this other than that Daniel walked across Mr. Miyagi's
0: no cool you're,
3: backyard.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many levels to this movie. Daniel is a poor kid from New Jersey who comes to this rich place in California as being bullied by rich kids who have no respect for this kid in their own country who is poor because they think he's a loser because he's poor, right? Or whatever, yeah. or an Italian, whatever, right? <laughs> and then he, in turn, stomps all over this man's Zen garden because he has mm-hmm. no respect and doesn't know anything about this other culture. It's a, it's a circle of people who don't know anything about each other, but if they would just try to learn about each other, then their world would open up and improve. Like, that's what the movie's <clears> doing.
3: That's right. why I love Miyagi's characters because he's he's teaching like all of these like that's what you need is like this this peaceful approach to relationships this this approach to having to deal with people and I I it, it gives me peace to know that there's somebody in there who's orchestrated like. Hold on, you have to stop, you have to breathe, you have to take a second, you have to sand my deck. And you need <laughs> that's gonna help you that's gonna help you understand that your ag your your aggro, your aggressive behavior toward these people is so worthless. It's right? so meaningless.
0: It's I, I don't mean to hog the conversation. I no, don't, please. but it's like this this thing you're saying is I just was I used to think that I had a black thumb, okay? I used to think that I mm-hmm. could not grow plants. Always wanted to. And I found this book called How to Make a Plant Love You, right? How to mm-hmm. Make Plants Love You. And it's written by this woman and her name is R- Summer Rain Oaks. That's her <laughs> name. She has a really cool Instagram and she's like this horticulturalist and has lives in Brooklyn, but the inside of her apartment is like filled with plants and she's like a big plant advocate or whatever. And it just made me think of, you know, he cares for the bonsai trees so much, right? And this book talks about that exactly. I was just reading a chapter today where if you take the time to figure out what a plant needs, instead of thinking the plant plant should make me happy, you Mm -hmm. take the time to figure out where does the plant need to go? What does this plant need? How do I Mm -hmm. serve the plant? Right? It makes you actually more compassionate towards other people because then you start transferring those things that you are doing for the plant to other living things that right. are around you.
1: And I can't think of a better metaphor yeah. for his I- approach to life in general. Like we do see him, he's trimming bon- bonsai trees.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And they make it, a, he makes a big point to make sure that you pronounce, pronounce it, it, it right. correctly. Yeah. Bonsai. Which, you, bonsai. that, that we see very quickly just how disciplined he is. Mm -hmm. And then when you contrast that with crease and you kind of apply that to their, their teaching styles, crease is teaching, punching, kicking. When Mr. Miyagi starts teaching, he's teaching muscle memory. He's teaching discipline. So he's trying to create and instill in Daniel. He's not teaching him how to kick and punch. In fact, they might as well have started learning how to punch like the day before the, the tournament. Right. Because he's, he was instilling muscle memory in, Through wax on, wax off Paint the fence, sand the floor All these, these chores that he's having him do And then not telling him why he's doing it So when the lesson is learned It actually seeps in So it, like his entire right. approach is just More lasting than just how to throw a good
0: punch Right, and it's for defense oh, not Defense, offense. and
1: balance He always talks about balance
0: I'm what? I'm being your goddamn slave Is what I'm being, man, and we
2: made a deal here sure. So? So you're supposed to teach And I'm supposed to learn, remember? for four days I've been busting my ass I haven't learned a goddamn thing uh,
3: you learned plenty
2: I learned plenty I learned how to sand your decks maybe I've your car paint your house paint your fence I learned plenty
1: right uh,
3: not everything
2: is a simple. oh bullshit I'm going home man Daniel San. Daniel
0: San. what come here
1: I th- I really loved that approach and again I say like this movie is not a martial arts movie because no. when Daniel Russo does karate it doesn't look great. He nope. just, you know, it's just, it's very.
2: Uh, <laughs> I honestly paid very little attention to the actual karate. It's not about the it's karate. Not about that.
1: It's called the Karate Kid, but it's, it's more than that.
3: <laughs> I'm just thinking about the first scene when Daniel Karate kicks the door open and he hits that dude in the face. and <laughs> The guy goes, oh, what was that? Karate? oh is that karate dude maybe you could teach me sometime
2: (laughs) i think that was when i started laughing and was like okay this is another silly 80s movie
3: also you don't have it in your outline about his friend group just abandoning him right that made me so mad yeah the minute he gets beat up those shitty friends are just out the they are already back at the campfire
0: hanging out with themselves that's how friends were in the 80s holding oh dude you got hit in the face what a loser i'm out
2: well i was just gonna say the movie is obviously so much about class right it's about daniel wanting to be you know in this circle of the elite rich kids who won't give him the time of day but it's like that kid who you think is going to be his new best friend he lives in the same place daniel lives so Mm -hmm. it's not like he's necessarily in a different class than Daniel is, but I'm sure he wants to be, right? So he's going to climb the ladder and leave Daniel behind. Well, right. I think
1: Freddie is the name of that character. I think really his only role in that movie was to get him to the beach to meet Allie, was right. to set everything in motion. So I think he's really a plot instrument or a plot device as opposed to like an actual character. And I'm that's unfortunate, but I mean, it really is to just move the story forward.
0: Allie is also, Don't explain I mean, why like, While I agree that that Allie and the mom are there to, you know, serve plot points, I also feel like Allie is one of those characters that we are not supposed to judge because she is part of the elite, you know? Right. She is attracted to Daniel and she likes him. And it doesn't matter to her that he's poor or or whatever. And so the whole thing about just, you know, not judging people, you know superficially applies to her as well yeah
2: what am i gonna do moan and groan anybody else would yeah we would listen anyway me (laughs) oh really (laughs) you um feel like listening on saturday night then sure all right great great so saturday night we'll go out we'll have a good time we'll do whatever and uh (laughs) is that your address (laughs) you got it (laughs) I think she's great. I mean, you could say that maybe she's trying to do like the rebellious thing and her parents obviously don't like Daniel because he's, you know, poor and or Italian and his mom's car is broken down um, and would rather her date Johnny simply because he's rich and white, I would assume. So you could say maybe she's just doing the rebellious thing. But I do really think that she cares about Daniel. I mean, she really puts up with all of his angst and um
0: I don't know. Stupid teenage boy stuff. Well, but I don't,
1: I don't know if I, I apologize, Manny, but I don't know if I agree with that. I think, think I think you're right on about like her parents have a design for her, but I don't, I, she comes across to me as just a very genuine person. I don't think she has any uh, ulterior motive or to make the, to make the argument that maybe she's doing, um, doing, there's some duplicity to
2: her liking Daniel. No, I mean, I think so too. I think it would help if she wasn't just like written off in the second movie. Is like dumping him for another guy. Um, yeah, but she wanted which, to go to Hartford and go to I her. think if
1: you <laughs> leave that part out of it, I think Allie with an I in this char- as a character in this movie, she's. I think she's really solid. I think that she. I think so too. She genuinely cares about Daniel, despite multiple red flags. But despite like kind of his <laughs> outbursts in, in certain circumstances, like she's still. Cares for him. She sees
2: him as different. She tells him, you know, I like you because you're different. You know, you're not like them. I think he is a little bit like them, but
3: I wanted to I wanted to take a second to commend her friends. I, I just wrote this in my notes. Good for her friends who tried to stop Daniel from pestering Allie. I mean, they're outside of the context of the relationship and are doing their best to protect her. Uh, but they for they want to forge an air of understanding between her and Daniel when there's conflict, and I think that was like great that they were just like they had Allie's back when they were just like, "Dude, you're being a shithead." I
2: think every girl needs friends like friends like those.
3: Yes,
0: what makes you so sensitive. What?
1: She's never been anything but nice to you. Oh yeah, she was so nice. She used me to make what's his name jealous. She doesn't even like what's his name. I never could have guessed the way their faces were stuck together at that country club. That's right. You didn't stick around for the uh, exciting conclusion. Oh, what was that?
2: His hand on
0: her ass? Her right hook. You think she sprained her wrist doing her nails? But she she him. That's an understatement.
1: And we didn't even really talk much about Johnny yet.
0: But you don't need to. the The movie is not about Johnny. Sure. Like the the, the I mean, if we were talk if we were talking about The Craft, mm-hmm. okay. Then we would need to talk about Sarah and Nancy because right. the movie is about Sarah and Nancy, right? Karate Kid is not about Johnny and Daniel. Karate Kid is about Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. Right. You only need Creese and Johnny to be what they are in this perspective of the story. You will get who Johnny is in Cobra Kai. Right.
3: That's what I wanted to ask because that was another thing It was like, I haven't watched Cobra Kai, and is that why they make Cobra Kai is like Johnny becomes the protagonist, this positive protagonist, and Daniel becomes He's the no, antithesis that's, that's of him.
0: That's, no. Oh, dang! All no. of, not necessarily oh, all of my not, the, not necessarily. <laughs> all my
3: theorizing.
1: He has redeeming qualities, just like he has redeeming qualities in Karate Kid. Right. He's not just a straight villain. He's not Crease. He is also a confused teenager. Right. Who is probably still in you know probably still dealing with the hurt of loss of a relationship and right. when you're 16
0: that's everything.
1: There's nothing more traumatic
3: than that. Right. Yeah. I right. hate not having the context to this, but does that make does that wind up making crease the ultimate bad guy? Does that make him the one? You, like, I'm not.
0: I'm I'm not going to say anything. You have to go watch Cobra Kai. Yeah. You it. really do. We're gonna watch it. Life is complicated. People are complicated. That's what Cobra Kai teaches you. Uh,
3: <laughs> I uh, I thought I gave Crease a good nickname um, because you you had asked if um, Johnny had just learned be- uh, bad lessons from a bad teacher, and I definitely thought that um, the Cobra Kai team had taken some bad notes from their dojo daddy. <laughs> I thought that was so funny and it's all so upended. <laughs> oh no. I'm going to hide now. I'll just be over here for the rest of the
0: podcast. It's a good thing that chair has wheels on it. Oh, oh
3: man. Gosh. Guys, I laughed for like 15 <coughs> minutes at Dojo Daddy. God.
1: Since this anyway. movie's been out for 30 some odd years you know, an argument has started floating around saying that uh, Daniel is the true bully. Do any of you see any truth to this claim?
2: I think Daniel and the, the Cobra Kais are a lot of, a lot alike, right? They, they all, to me, have that, you know, toxic masculinity Christy was talking about. And I think he does kind of start it at the beach, right? Especially after we've just heard, we've been introduced by Johnny when he says, I'm a senior now. I'm going to turn it around, get serious. And then Daniel does kind of instigate things, right? Whether, you know, his reasons were good or not.
1: Well, I think he was doing the right thing. He just stepped into an argument. Self-defense, yo.
2: So, I don't know. I think it's very much a stretch to call him the bully, right? Like, even though he does obviously make some bad choices, and does instigate yeah. things. I wouldn't call him the bully.
3: I think the only moment where it stuck out was like him playing soccer and him getting kind of like kicked by whoever the kid was Dutch. he got kicked. And then he just like he just re- retaliated with a sucker punch to the face. I don't necessarily think that that's like.
1: Right. And that was one of the red flags <laughs> that I was mentioning earlier is his temper. Very yeah. short temper. It was an illegal takedown, but did it deserve a punch to the face? I don't know.
0: The, I mean, but the, again, this this is not a movie about like bullies and victims. It's right. not. It's about, it's about teenage boys learning how to be men and who are their role models.
1: Right. Yes. I think it's a silly argument. And I don't really think there's any validity to any of these arguments. I think they're just clever things to say if you to, were to take another if you were to take an an alternative approach to it and
0: i also think he didn't have to he didn't have to go uh, during the party during the Halloween party he didn't have to go into the bathroom and do what he did to johnny right he i mean he didn't have to do that and he did so
1: let me let me read through some of these uh in the 30 years since the film was produced numerous child psychologists and sociologists have actually theorized that daniel was more of a bully and instigator than johnny This is due to many scenes involving Daniel standing up for himself, or quote, standing up for himself, in fact, being acts of retaliation against something Johnny has perceived to have done to Allie. Johnny is also observed in many of the earlier confrontations with Daniel trying to leave and walk away from conflicts with Daniel, only to have Daniel stop him and in one scene sucker punch him. Uh, Daniel's shower prank on Halloween also seems to be completely unprovoked. And lastly, Daniel having little to no knowledge of the karate tournament procedures actually makes him a danger to others in that he could injure someone by not knowing the allowed moves in a tournament setting.
0: I, again, I don't, <laughs> I don't think this movie is about who is a bully and who is a victim. I think this is a movie about a boy who does not have a positive male influence in his life and is doing the best he can and it's not that great. And when he gets a positive male influence in his life, and sometimes that involves doing shitty things to other kids. Now, am I saying, do I think that Johnny is a victim? No, I think it's boys being shitty to each other.
1: Right. I think after 30 years of people talking about a movie, they run out of things to talk about. And this is, this (laughs) is the result of that.
3: Well, that's why I don't like the word bully being encased in this movie is I I, rivalry, like they're equal, equal powers. Yeah. It's it's animal. I wrote it's animalistic. It's like monkeys oh. fighting over a coconut. I don't, oh I don't boy. know what they fight over. Bananas. Oh, cut that.
1: <laughs> Leaving it. All right. Last topic. Last topic. Do you at any point feel that Mr. Miyagi is a negative stereotype?
2: So on this subject, I think, it doesn't matter what I or you feel. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think what I said. Yeah. I think we can listen to people um, of Asian descent who, I mean, I was, I was reading up on this and
3: you know, there are
2: people including, it looks like Pat Morita's daughter who were negatively affected by this movie, whether it's the movie's fault or Pat Morita's fault or just the fault of the America we live in um and the america of the 80s but you know that's that's it's not you know our place to be offended not offended
1: yeah i don't know if me personally i don't know if it is a negative stereotype i think negativity came from um uh just a just a culture in racism and bigotry i think like and ignorance yes
3: yes
2: Ignor- yes absolutely I was just gonna say, I think this movie, especially for its like for its time, was kind of progressive. You know, to show this I agree this hero. I mean, Mr. Miyagi's the kind of the hero, right? And Daniel, Very who's, so. you know, not the Aryan kid, he's the Italian American, um, you know, poor Italian American kid. I definitely can fall victim to looking at older movies through a twenty twenty lens, right? But I think, I mean, especially if we talked, as we've talked more about it, I, I definitely think this movie, they did a maybe as good a job as they could. And I know they took it seriously, and Pat Morita took it seriously, his portrayal.
0: Yeah, and talking to my son, who is um, closer to you guys' age, like he also, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have this, my son and I, and my daughter as well, we have this conversation all the time. Like, culturally, what is considered... Um, not correct or offensive today and was not and is considered offensive now or whatever. Um, and he also told me about Pat Morita's daughter and the negative effects that that. Yeah. It's like you said, Maddie, it's not because of what Pat Morita did with a role or the intent of the filmmakers. It that was informed by. Uh, the culture that we unfortunately live in in the United States that is still very much steeped in racism and bigotry and, and ignorance of xenophobia of, yeah. of any kind. Right. And that's unfortunate. Like, I think it's going to happen no yeah. matter what it's always going to happen. But the fact that the, you know, part of, we were talking about like why he was not, why the producers did not think he could play the role. Let's not forget that Paponita Morita played Arnold in Happy Days. Right. Mm. And that was super stereotypical. I mean, if if people think that Mr. Miyagi is a stereotype and it's offensive, go watch Happy Days and watch him in that. And Mm. just think about, man, that's the crap he had to do to get a paycheck as an actor in the late 70s and early 80s, right? And when something like Mr. Miyagi comes along... He's like, oh, wow, this is a role that I can really sink my teeth into that is not like fricking Arnold from Happy Days. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, you're right. For the time, it is quite progressive. And for me, I mean, it happens all the time and it happens in, in movies where there are stereotypes of all people of color, right? Or of different people of color. I always look at, who is the smartest person in the who is the smartest person in the room, right? right? Who is the kindest person in the room? Who is the hero in the room? And in karate Kid, he is absolutely the smartest, kindest, most generous person in the room all the time, the most compassionate. and so all of those other things, I think are there purposefully for us to go to be fooled by the stereotype and then the stereotype is kind of like exploded open because he is actually the, 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 the better person Yeah. instead yeah. of being, instead of being the, the object of ridicule or uh, object of the joke or right. whatever. It's just like, I mean, I maintain that big trouble in little China is still an incredible film and people are like, it's so not Right. And I'm like, no, if you took out Kurt Russell from that movie, it would be the same movie. You don't actually need the white guy, you know. So there's there's so many of those things, so many of those kinds of movies that come out of the 80s where we're not naming it, but it's there if you care to look a little bit further like I'm so happy. I'm so happy that there's a Me Too movement. I'm so happy that, that there is the movement in theater where it's like, we're watching you, right? We're, I'm happy that all of those things exist now and we can call them what they are and we can say what they are and that young people are not allowing themselves to be, whether they are LGBTQ, whether they're women, whether they're people of color, Anybody who's been marginalized is able now to call it what it is, but I wish that some people would acknowledge that that is possible now because baby steps have been taken in the past. So we were not, we were not able to call it out. I get real touchy about the subject, Yeah, but I agree. I agree. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't do that today. You couldn't. I don't think you could make it today. It's, it, it's problematic. The movie? No, not the movie. It's just tricky, right? You can have a character like Mr. Miyagi, but you can't have a bunch of white people in charge of telling that story. Mm. And mm. that right. I agree with. I totally agree with. You know, That was the opportunity that he got. And as an actor of color, of course you're going to jump on it. But today, if that story was being told, I would definitely look at who is directing this movie, who's making this movie, who's telling the story. Right. Right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the fact the fact
2: that, you know, he got in the room and you know that they said, okay, now do a Japanese accent. Make it more Japanese. You know, that's Absolutely. To me
0: always Yeah. yeah. I know. mean, that's happened to me. That's well, he, happened to me.
1: He showed up with that accent. Or does that, he showed up, does yeah. that matter? No, I I watched. him. No. that was a choice where, as an
0: actor. But it doesn't matter yeah. because he, on some level, he knew that's what was expected, mm. right? You mm. know, mm. he mm. knew that that was going to get him further into the room. And I'm not like, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that was the nature of, and to some extent, is. I mean, even he's way older than I am. I'm. Oh my god, and still, when I was starting, that was still you would walk into a room and you, me as an actress of color, I had to make the decision before I walked into the audition room of whether I was going to go along and play the game or if I was going to stick to my guns mm-hmm. and risk not getting the part by being mouthy. Like mm. you always have to code switch. You always have to make the decision beforehand of whether you're going to play or whether you're going to be difficult. Right And More often than not, I chose difficult and that's why, you know, I never really made it in broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I've been asked that question. I've been, I've been asked in the audition room, can you be more Mexican? Yeah. And it's like, well, I, this is as Mexican as I get. So do you want me to affect an accent? I can do that. Right. And it's just in the way you ask. If you want me to affect an accent, just say, hey, can you affect an accent? Right. I'm happy to do it. That's part of my skill as an actor. Of course I can. But don't assume that I that that there's a way to be more Mexican. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know what I
2: mean? Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. The curtain is being pulled back on that, on practices yeah. in
0: casting. Right. I, I don't think it's stereotypical. Like I don't think it is at all. It's not offensive to me for the reasons that I stated. He is, he is the most powerful, the most genuine, the most compassionate, the smartest person in the room all the time yeah. in the movie. And so that tells you where the true power lies, right? He is the good guy. You have to turn around and look at something like Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? right. To go, yeah. oh man, that's terrible. Well, in the same
1: yeah. year, it was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh my God. With the then, little boy? Short round. And then, uh. I'm not, is Breakfast Club that before is a name? or after the, or not breakfast, not breakfast Club but 16 Candles with, 16 long, can, with long Duck mm-hmm. Dawn yeah yeah
2: yeah no yeah
1: so it, it was still very much that sort of Mickey Rooney style like but right. with, but it's... not with white actors they were still sort of doing that same
3: character
0: because that's the that's the work you could that's the work that people wanted to see you do
3: are you saying Mickey Rooney from referencing Bref- Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah. yes oh uh, okay
0: yeah yeah, and so yeah, I just feel like I th- I still think he's great. I think he's iconic. I think he did such a wonderful, wonderful job in that role. If Nicky
1: Rooney or Pat
0: Morita, Pat Morita. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I can't watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. No. I can't watch it. First of all, it's I mean that's and, a whole and that's other the podcast. performance that you
1: feel like should this should just be obvious. Like I feel right. I kind of like I totally understand the point and I I think it's really really important to sort of uh take in that information and kind of learn from it but I also at the same time I'm I feel it makes me sad that his family or his daughter would have a negative experience with this character because of how much I ultimately respect and love this character
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: would only hope that you know that that was would be all that they would see and yeah, I but hate it's probably that.
0: because you I mean you were raised right
1: mm-hmm. yeah well thanks ma
0: so, yeah no i'm serious i'm I'm totally serious yeah. you were raised right and there are people who aren't raised right
1: yeah
0: i, I also think, just think uh, it's
2: it's an ignorance thing you know like yeah you know racist i mean people just lumping all asian um ethnicities together you know because they don't mm-hmm. know the difference and don't care too
1: yeah and that was another article i found was from actually a chinese yeah. writer who was um saying how his father anyone that came to his father would would say wax on wax off or, and he was Chinese and not, right. not Japanese you
3: remember lesson about uh, balance
1: yeah
3: A lesson not just karate only lesson for whole life whole life have a balance everything be better I understand. <laughs> yeah, I
0: understand. Ralph Macchio on uh Morita. He knew he was playing an important character. Macchio said of of Morita, Pat was always very locked in on making sure and bringing the Japanese American culture that he knew that it was authentic and real. He reminded me of how in the Karate Kid, Miyagi adjusts Danny's hands while he's drinking tea to show him the correct grip on the teacup. All those little things were important to him. I felt like he felt the responsibility. This is a window in, and I have to make sure this is done right. Yeah, man. See? Hero. That's all I have to say. I mean, when you have the opportunity to do that, to change perceptions, you. a lot of times as, a, as an actor of color, you go, I don't want to be the, the voice of... I'm not the voice of all Latin people, right? No matter what you're doing, you're always representing. No matter what I do, whether I want to or not, I am always representing. I can say I am not the voice of Mexican Americans, Mm -hmm. but the second people see me on stage, that's the first thing they see. So like, I cannot care. It doesn't matter if I don't care because it's going to matter to someone in the audience. The first time I played Mrs. Cratchit in A Christmas Carol in a huge production, I was like, whatever, it's a job. It's just Christmas Carol, right? After the show, a little Hispanic girl came up to me mm. and said, I want to be like you. <laughs> I didn't know that I could play Mrs. Cratchit. And then yeah. that hits you and, and you go, oh, yeah, I, have, I am responsible whether I want to or not. So I'm yeah. sure that's how he felt. Yeah. You're the best friend I ever had. Are
1: you pretty okay to? Hey, go. Go.
2: Go find the balance.
1: Banzai, <laughs> okay. right. Danielson! Hey, Banzai! banzai banzai, banzai! 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 banzai!
0: <laughs> Trivia. <laughs> this is the trivia about the karate kid that John very nicely put together. In real life, Pat Morita spoke perfect English with no accent. He modeled his speech and accent for Mr. Miyagi on his uncle. When Mr. Miyagi is drunk and celebrating an anniversary, he reveals that he served in the army in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. The unit, composed mostly of Japanese Americans, many of whom had been in internment camps, fought in Europe during World War II. It became the most highly decorated unit unit in the history of the united states military
3: i think that's so powerful
0: according to the commentary track on the home video versions of the movie william zapka came up with a a loose backstory for the johnny lawrence character in order to better get the feel for playing the character he states in the commentary that he envisioned johnny as having no father and that crease is the closest thing to a father figure he had in his life which is essentially the same backstory as Daniel, and you learn more about this in Cobra Kai. It's (laughs) really cool. They
1: picked that up, that story. Yeah.
0: Extras were so caught up in the tournament scene that they would boo William Zabka even when the cameras were not rolling. Zabka's mother was in the crowd and kept trying to tell people that he was actually a very nice person in real (laughs) life. (laughs) That's so
2: wholesome.
0: I love that.
1: And he had great bangs.
0: Oh my God. See, that's the thing. It's like, William, Billy Zabka is my type. Yeah. I am always like, <laughs> the bad white boy is who I always went for. Martin Cove, who played the John Creese character, was rumored to have replaced Chuck Norris. Oh my God. <laughs> who allegedly turned down the role of Creese because he didn't want karate trainers to be shown in an unsympathetic light. Norris has since said, that he was never offered the role, but that if he had been, he would have declined for similar reasons. I can totally see him going, I'm not going to play that asshole. Sorry. Mm -mm. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Charlie Sheen turned down the role of Daniel LaRusso. Thank goodness. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, there is a point, though. You guys don't remember, but there is a point in Charlie Sheen's career where he showed actual promise. Platoon. Platoon Wall Street. and his tiny, tiny, tiny role in Ferris Bueller's Day oh, Off. Yeah. <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's
1: brilliant
0: crazy. for three minutes. It's, it, it's brilliant.
1: Have y'all seen any of those movies?
0: I've seen Ferris Bueller. I don't remember him in it oh, though, okay, I'll be yeah. honest. Um, oh, the role of Daniel LaRusso was allegedly initially offered to Sean Penn. Penn turned it down because he was trying for more adult roles. Penn later said in an interview that he thought Ralph Macchio was one of the greatest living actors. I love Sean Penn, but I cannot see Sean Penn in that role.
3: What other context does Sean Penn have to giving Ralph Macchio the title of greatest living actors?
0: Um, The Outsiders.
3: The Outsiders, Holden.
0: <laughs> have you seen it? <laughs> I
3: have seen the I have seen The Outsiders.
0: Chad McQueen, who plays Dutch, is the son of Steve McQueen. Oh, I didn't know that. Chad. He was a close friend of Lee and also one of the pallbearers at his funeral. Interesting.
1: And Dutch is, in my opinion, the most aggressive um, and angry character in this movie. Is that the one who has the
0: cast? Is Dutch the kid that in at the tournament he's like, Yeah. Get him a body bag. Yeah. No, that's that's, that's that's Bobby.
1: That's Bobby. That's Bobby. I think that's Bobby. It's either
0: Yeah, that's Bobby. You're right.
1: And then Dutch. He's got the curly, he's the Justin Timberlake hair, but mm-hmm. not as tight. It's got the curly blonde hair, and he's just always looking really gruff and angry.
0: I'm gonna go back and I try and see the the in one of those
3: in one of those dojo scenes. He's like fighting off laughing. I noticed that yesterday. They're all sitting like that, and they're like, "Yesterday, yesterday," and you see him in the background, like. Like trying not to laugh in the scene, and uh, he was the only
1: character. Well, I mean, he's Steve McQueen's kid. He doesn't yeah. have to take anything seriously. Yeah, exactly. Nothing matters. Nothing got, matters. He's got that privilege. He's Steve McQueen's no, he's
0: got it done. What does What does he
1: care? He's in a. He wound up in a movie somehow. <laughs> right. Steve McQueen's son. <laughs> okay, so um, as quick as we possibly can, we need to decide next. Who's going to pick next week's movie? So let's uh, get into our trivia questions. Who wants to go first? Maddie's first. first. Okay. So Maddie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. We have seven questions. Okay. So how did Daniel explain his black eye to his mother and Mr. Miyagi?
2: Bike accident?
1: Correct. Fell off his bike. Uh, What city was Daniel LaRusso originally from? Newark. Newark, New Jersey. Good. Why does Mr. Miyagi first go to Daniel's apartment?
2: Uh, to fix the uh, the kitchen sink. Oh my
1: gosh, she always nails all of them. Okay, these are
2: softballs, John.
1: All right. Well, this one's harder. This is a four parter. Oh no! What are the names of the five boys who bullied Daniel through the movie?
2: Are you kidding me? Well, you just named a couple of them.
1: Can you name three of the five?
2: Does Johnny count?
1: Johnny counts. <laughs> Dutch, good.
2: Bobby, I only know those ones because those are the ones All right, well, you talked about. That's three. About. <laughs> that's three.
1: <laughs> oh my god! That might be
2: too easy because you just said their names.
1: Um, what was the name of the apartment complex that they moved into?
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
1: <gasps> oh,
0: I didn't know this one.
1: The, I, I I told you I tried to make these harder. Okay, that's good. So, do you want to take a guess?
0: Uh, um, the Reseda Apartments. That's what I would have guessed, <laughs> it's an educated. I know, I know they lived in Reseda, but...
1: You got it wrong. <laughs> okay. You got one wrong.
0: <laughs> it's all that matters.
1: Okay, number five. He did live in Reseda.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You were correct on that. I know. According to Cobra Kai, what are the things that do not exist in this dojo?
2: How many are there? Mercy?
1: Three. Dang
2: it. Mercy? Um, Retreat? Rit- 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 Something like that.
1: Neither of those are on this
2: list. Mercy is not on there. It is not. But he's always like, "No mercy."
1: That is correct. He says that at the All Valley tournament. But that is not the three things that don't exist in this dojo.
2: I am unhappy.
1: So do you want to? Do you want to try a guess? Do you think it might come to you? No. I don't want to pressure you. No. But we're, on a, we're on a ticking clock. No, let's move on. Number six. When Daniel and Allie with an eye go on a date. What is the name of the place?
2: Golf and stuff.
1: Yeah, good job. And number seven, what are the three chores Mr. Miyagi has Daniel do to teach him karate?
2: Uh waxing the cars, sanding the the deck, staining or painting the fence, and painting the house. Is that what you were looking for?
1: You're kind of close. I feel like I should give it to you. Wax on, wax she
2: off. Got it. Is that what you want? Yeah.
1: Well, sand the floor. Yeah. Not sand the deck. But I feel like it's close enough.
0: It's totally close. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. It's totally spot on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's sand the floor. Okay. I'm going to give it to her, but I'm going to be adamant that it's very clearly he says sand the floor.
0: Okay. These are
1: important karate tenants, y'all. We can't deviate from them. Noted. All
0: right. Noted.
1: All right. So you got five of seven. Uh, (laughs) All right. You ready? We're not going to tell you how many she got. I don't want to know. Okay. I'm you're going to do good. I think you're going to do good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Number 1. How did Daniel explain his black eye to his mother and Mr. Miyagi?
3: Uh, he yeah. got hit in the eye by his bicycle, and by his handlebars. <laughs> good. He you fell got off it right. his bike. Okay. What
1: city was Daniel LaRusso originally yeah. from? Newark, New Jersey. Number 3. Why does Mr. Miyagi first go to Daniel's apartment? To fix the sink, the faucet. Very good. Another sync scene. We had one in the hours as well. Sinks like to explode in oh,
3: movies. Oh, we got so many overlapping... They're
1: things. almost the same movie, honestly. They might Genuinely. Have- <laughs> Let's compare this to Little Rascals now. Three out of five. I need three names out of five. Okay, so what are three names of the five boys who bullied Daniel throughout the movie? Or were his rivals, as you would say? Oh, no, his hands... His head has gone into his hand. You can do this.
0: No. Yes, you do. You do know. Yeah. You do know. You absolutely know. They are also some of the most common names <laughs> in the English language.
3: Three names of people that bullied Daniel, not including Johnny. He is one of them. Yes. Oh. Uh, burgers. Dutch.
1: D- That's Dutch. Two. Good job. <laughs> You're so close. We got Johnny and Dutch. I need one more. B- uh, Bob. <laughs> Bob. You, yes. Bob, Bobby. Yes, yes. Bob. yes. <laughs> what? Right. Bobby.
0: Oh, it's Bobby, gosh. Dutch, Jimmy, Johnny, Tommy.
1: Jimmy, Johnny, Tommy. Jimmy, Jimmy, and
0: yeah. did Maddie get that? She knows she the names. Did. No, I literally only
2: know those three because John had just five minutes earlier said both Dutch and Bobby
0: right
3: bobby i see. i don't All even right, re- so that was a that was a wild guess i just saw bob the builder's face it's <laughs> just like bob go number
1: number four what was the name of the apartment complex they moved into
3: oh i can see the apartment maddie did you get this we're not saying uh the oasis (laughs) the oasis apartment complex
1: is that your final answer yeah that's my. i i don't remember bellevue okay (laughs) that was a hard one you both got it incorrect it was south seas
3: south seas
1: when they pull up to the building at the beginning of the movie it says it right on the screen
2: good job that was hard
1: holden yeah number five According to Cobra Kai, what thing? What three things do not exist in this dojo?
3: Oh man, I thought you were gonna ask me what they have to do: strike hard, strike fast, strike first.
0: Those are not the answers. I know. It's the
1: right answer to the wrong question.
0: I don't. I'm aggravated.
1: According to Cobra Kai, what three things do not
0: exist in this dojo? I feel like I, I want to give Holden clues. I can't.
3: I don't even feel like I can name three things that I can recall from the movie.
2: Give him clues, Christy.
3: Do you want clues? Well, we didn't give <sighs> Manny
2: clues. I know, but I want to hear her clues cuz I don't know. I still don't know what they are. Okay. No
1: clues cuz this is very exciting. Okay. This is very exciting. All right, so here's here's the answer. Here's the answer to the question. Does not exist in this dojo,
3: does it no you saying that yeah i should have gotten that but <laughs> no sensei <laughs> i wish so you would ask pain... me the three things that you're supposed to do as a cobra kai strike first yeah, strike hard strike fast you got Dang, it i want to gotten that defeat. i'd like memorize right. that cuz i thought that was going to be a question number 6 when daniel
1: and Allie with an i go on a date what is the name of the place
3: oh no
0: he looks like he's in pain. Bowler's
3: frenzy. Oh, oh no. What?
0: Buster's
3: can, oh, no. billiards.
2: No, you can get this okay, one. no,
1: these these aren't the real answers. I think you have the real answer inside you. You you overestimate.
3: Crazy 8.
0: I think that's the best it's going to get. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ar- the arcade. <laughs> Joe's Arcade. Eat at Joe's. He's lost. Yeah,
1: you're you're done. Golf and stuff. That's the name of the place. Golf and stuff. You you feeling good?
0: No. You're going to get this one. You're going to get this one.
1: You're doing good, Holden.
0: You're going to get this last one.
1: Okay, number seven. What are the three chores Mr. Miyagi has Daniel do to teach him karate? Or three
3: of the four. So if I name four, can I get an extra point?
1: I'll give you half a point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wax the car sand the decks paint the fence one more you got it you got three of the four what's the fourth catch the fly paint the house paint the house side to side okay so
1: um here are the results maddie by one point you won i thought we were so close to having a tie oh, no. I know. i would I was I thought we were so close
0: thought for sure he would get golf and stuff
1: because this would be our first tiebreaker I but. think he
0: left <laughs> went back into the bedroom
1: Maddie <laughs> once again you have you have failed to lose
0: I'm sorry
2: one day I'll slip up, but not today.
0: I don't know I... not today.
2: <laughs> I think we should watch Shakespeare in love That's my pick
0: a good movie
1: next week we will be watching maddie's choice shakespeare in love she will be hosting the, the episode and yeah that's it we had our first guest and thank you so much for joining
3: us christy what thank- a pleasure she
2: was the best so- best first guest we could have asked for
3: hey since Yay. i since i rage quit my headphones uh, can you tell me which uh answer maddie got right so i can know wrong. what to hold against golf her and when stuff. she gets home
2: golf and golf stuff, and stuff.
3: How?
2: how did you not remember golf and stuff
3: oh it was in i don't know how i don't remember that
1: <laughs> i
2: just so badly want to go to a golf so and stuff mad. now yeah
1: holden i'm sorry you didn't win this week um <laughs> but there is always next week <laughs>
3: yeah it's fine I'm just happy with so never d- never winning another quiz we're in
1: the same boat we both won one
3: so far everyone so far everyone thinks that I love under the silver lake and only under the silver lake
1: <laughs> we just gotta come to terms with the fact that we're never gonna beat Maddie
0: okay that's right. why you don't beat Maddie
1: <laughs> um Holden say thank you to Christy what do we say to Christy Holden <laughs>
3: What do we say to what do we, what do we say? I get to Christy it. Holden? I get it, Christy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We <laughs> loved having you as our very first guest. Oh my gosh, did you have fun? We're going to put pressure on you. Did you have fun?
0: I had so much fun. I I don't know if I mentioned that m- making podcasts is the thing I want to do for the rest of my You're life. Good I don't at care it. if I ever. I don't care if I do anything else. I just want to sit and talk about shit that I like talking about. I could listen to you
2: do it. I really could. So yay. That gives me
0: hope. Yeah.
1: Please go check out terror and tacos. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Michael and Christy are the greatest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sticking with us. We went a little bit longer than anticipated, but I, I, I really appreciate you sticking it out with us.
0: Thank you for having me
3: next time. We have a horror movie. Let's invite Christy back.
0: And Michael. and Michael
3: you have an open yes! in- invitation for any time so long everyone and this has been unseen supreme irregular don't you know a waste got the waves on your tegular words that don't exist don't in- <laughs> inhibit your fist from punching me in the face for losing this quiz